Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Now, I'm sure that most of you have probably seen, if not at least heard of the movie called The Passion of the Christ. It's about the suffering and death of Jesus interspersed with scenes from his life before his capture. And that's what the word passion means in that sense. The things that were done to Jesus. His being betrayed, arrested, beaten, crucified, and killed. Well, our gospel reading today is about the passion of the Christ. His suffering, to be more precise. It is a prediction of it. The first prediction of his passion that Jesus himself makes. In the gospel narrative, the early ministry of Jesus in Galilee leads up to the point of Peter's great confession. You are the Christ. Then right after that, Jesus tells the disciples what his being the Christ will entail. That he, the Christ, must suffer and die. Our gospel today records it as follows. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. This kind of passage where Jesus speaks ahead of time of his suffering and death, and he does this three times in the Gospels, this is referred to as a passion prediction. And this is the first one in this, in this passion prediction. Jesus tells us what will happen to him. Suffering, rejection, being killed. Now that's the what. So, but also we want to know the so what. So what? What difference does it make in our lives? What is the result, the outcome of his suffering? What good will it produce? Which leads us to the theme for today. Passion prediction and passion production. What it produces, not a play about it. First, the passion prediction. The Son of Man must suffer many things, Jesus says. This term, Son of Man, is the title that Jesus uses the most often for himself. And it, it goes back to the book of Daniel, where there is a vision of one like a Son of Man who comes with the clouds of heaven. To him is given dominion and glory and a kingdom with all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Now, to be sure, this vision is fulfilled by Jesus Christ. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and he will come again with glory on the clouds of heaven at the last day. But how he gets there? Well, now that's the puzzling part. The Son of Man, the Messiah, the Christ, comes to his glory through suffering. That's what's so odd about how Jesus talks about himself as a Son of Man the suffering part, the rejection part. And this is what throws Peter off in our reading this morning. He doesn't want to hear about a suffering Christ. He just wants the glory model. No suffering required. But Jesus tells him, you're not thinking the things of God, but the things of men. The things of God mean that the Christ must suffer many things. He will be rejected by the very religious leaders who ought to be hailing him. The elders, chief priests, and scribes. But instead of hailing him, they'll be hauling him. Hauling him before the Roman governor. Before a Gentile. Outside of God's people. One who is unclean and demand that this man be crucified. 
And that is the passion of the Christ. In our text today, Jesus here predicts his passion. So that's the what. But now, what about the so what? You see, this is more than just some random tragedy about an innocent man suffering unjustly. There's a purpose and a goal to all of this. God is doing something by Christ's suffering, accomplishing something that affects every one of us in the greatest way. And that's where today's epistle lesson from the Romans to the Romans comes in. We're here, we've heard, excuse me, the what, and here St. Paul tells us the so what. Here we see the outcome, the, the result of Christ's passion, what it produces for us and in us. Now we move from passion prediction to passion production. Paul really piles up the terms of what Jesus' suffering and death produces for us. He uses rich, gospel-filled words, words like justified, saved, and reconciled. Beautiful words of life. Now let's look briefly at each one of those terms, justified, saved, and reconciled. We'll start with justified. St. Paul writes, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And later, we have now been justified by his blood. To be justified means to be put right with God. It also means to be declared righteous in God's court of justice. Think of a courtroom, and you are the one on trial. God's law is brought out to charge you with your offenses. Have you kept these commandments to love God with all your heart and to love your neighbor as yourself? The evidence for your life is brought forward and we see many acts of selfishness, of blowing off God, of failure to help and to love all the people you meet. Impure thoughts, hateful words, dishonest deeds. But, but your honor, I've done some good stuff. Sorry, no plea bargaining. The verdict is in, guilty as charged. The judgment, the punishment decreed in God's law book is death. The wages of sin is death. Death and eternal damnation. But now your advocate comes forward. He is Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He has kept all the laws in the book perfectly. The only man who ever has. And he offers to take your place. He suffers the penalty for all your sins. He sheds his blood, the blood of God's only son. Jesus has done this for you on the cross. Because of this, God's justice is satisfied. The penalty, the penalty of death, has been paid. Now God can be a just and righteous judge, keeping true to the laws and the consequences that he put forward, even when he declares you to have your debt paid in full. That is what it means to be justified. And that is what Christ's passion has produced for you. Now the next term, saved. This is another word that St. Paul uses to describe what Christ's passion has produced for you. Now think of a situation of great danger. Your boat has sunk in the middle of the ocean. You're drifting along, clinging to some debris that separates you from drowning. You're helpless against the sharks. There's no food or drinkable water, and you're exposed to the elements. You can't last much longer. Who will rescue you from your desperate situation? And now all of a sudden, here comes a Coast Guard. They pull you out of the water and give you food and drink and warm, dry clothing. They take you to safety. This is a picture of what it means to be saved. It's the rescue 
and the resulting state of safety. St. Paul says that you and I have been saved, saved by Christ from God's wrath. God's wrath in his hot anger against sinners. But Christ took that wrath, that hot anger on himself on the cross. By Christ's death, we have been saved. And by his rising to life again, we know this to be true. The payment has been accepted and death has been defeated. This is the rescue. Now we are saved. Now we are safe. Being saved, then, is another way to talk about what Christ's passion has produced for us. Now, one more term, reconciled. While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, St. Paul says, through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Here, think of two parties who are on the outs. In fact, one is the avowed enemy of the other. But somehow these two parties are brought back together. Peace is made. Reconciliation is achieved. That is what is meant to be reconciled. This too is a picture of what Christ's passion has done for us. It has reconciled us to God, brought us back into a state of peace with God. We were enemies, estranged from him, rebels, on the outs, however you want to put it. Scripture puts it this way, children of wrath, who are by nature sinful and unclean. But now, through Christ's peacemaking death on the cross, yet again, <laughs> we have been brought back to God. The hostilities are ended, peace is established, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. My fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, you have been justified, saved, and reconciled. These are all ways to describe that glorious work that God has done for you in Christ. The what of Christ's suffering has produced a great big so what in your life and for eternal life. Christ's passion prediction has led to a most wonderful passion production of justification, salvation, and reconciliation. All these big words stand for the big realities that are yours in Christ. But now there's one more passion prediction we should talk about in our readings today. Don't know if you noticed it. It's at the end. And it's a prediction of your own passion, your own suffering. Things will happen to you. Yes, you will suffer in this life. Indeed, you will suffer precisely because you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus predicts it. He says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, take up your cross means that you must be prepared to suffer and die, to give up your life and not hold it as important as you hold your Lord. Following Jesus, being his disciple, means that you will suffer in this life. The world, world will be against you. You will be persecuted for defending and living the truth of God. The devil will attack you, trying to destroy your faith. Your own sinful flesh will mislead you and try and entice you to go along with the world around you. You need to put that old Adam to death. Dying daily to sin, dying to self, is what taking up your cross is all about. Your own suffering, your own passion is predicted. But this too will produce good things. 
no, not your justification or salvation or reconciliation with God. You have nothing to do with that. Only Christ's passion can produce those divine gifts. But now that you have these great gifts, now you can endure the suffering that happened in your life. And even those sufferings can produce good results. St. Paul puts it like this. We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. You see, because of the peace we have with God, now we are able to rejoice even in the midst of our suffering. We know there is something more, much more, than the affliction we suffer in this world and in this short life. Our joy is greater than our affliction. And so suffering will produce endurance and perseverance, the ability to bear up over the long haul under the suffering. This is not something we can muster up on our own just by being stoic and keeping a stiff upper lip. This is not some mere human endurance. It's a bearing up born of the gospel, worked by the Spirit. Suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character. And character means a tested quality. It is the quality of a metal that has been tried under fire and found to be genuine. Being put through the fire many times over many years will actually purify and strengthen your faith, burning away the dross. That is the character of a well-tested faith. But that only comes through enduring affliction. The fire is not pleasant at the time, most certainly not. But God is doing something through it. He is working in you to give you a strong and tested Christian character. Suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. This is what you have then, hope. It is the hope of the glory to come, the, the certainty that you have heaven to look forward to, and nothing can take that away from you. When all other supports give way, when there is nothing left in this life to lift your spirits, when it looks like your world is falling apart, you still have this sure and certain hope to hold on to. Hope is knowing what is in store for you because of Christ. You can't see it yet, but you know that it's coming. And when the suffering of this life finally comes to an end, this hope will not disappoint you. What you have been holding on to, waiting for, for all these years, this hope will not put you to shame because the outcome, the final result, will be just as God has said it would be, everlasting life with Christ and all his saints in glory in a restored creation better than ever, forever. What a hope we have. And it all comes back to the passion of Christ which he himself predicted, which he himself endured for your sake. And this passion of his has produced such marvelous results. By Christ's death and resurrection, you are justified, saved, and reconciled. What's more, God is producing in you endurance, character, and hope, even in the midst of suffering. And so my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, as our readings tell us, we can join together in speaking them. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And so we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 
And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you.